all across America and around the world. This is Veterans Radio. This is Veterans Radio. Welcome to Veterans Radio. I am Jim Fawson. I'm the officer of the deck today. We've got some great programs for you. I think you'll find very interesting. We always want to remind you, you can find more about Veterans Radio at its Facebook site or by going to veteransradio.net where we're on the web 24-7. You can find a lot of our podcasts there as well. We post new ones every Tuesday, so you can get a new story, a new interview, something you didn't know before by going to veteransradio.net. And before we get started, we want to thank our sponsors. First up, we want to thank National Veteran Business Development Council, nvbdc.org. It was established to certify both service-disabled and veteran-owned businesses. You'll find out how they can help your business by going to nvbdc.org. We also want to thank Eisenhower Center. It's a brain injury recovery center. Learn more about eisenhowercenter.com. They're located in Michigan and in Florida. We want to thank Legal Help for Veterans. Legal Help for Veterans fights for veterans' disability rights all across the nation. You can reach them at 800-693-4800 or on the web at legalhelpforveterans.com. We want to thank VetBiz Central, which is part of the U.S. Small Business Association, VBOC, Vet Business Outreach Centers. VetBiz Central covers Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, and can be reached at vetbizcentral.org. Let's move on to our programs. We want to welcome back to Veterans Radio, Craig Grossi. Craig is a Marine. He's written a couple of books, and uh, we're glad to have him back in Veterans Radio. Craig, welcome back. Hey, yeah, thanks, thanks for having me back, Jim. It's, uh, it's great, great to be back. Well, let me remind folks that uh, it was back in uh, the fall of 2017, which in this uh, pandemic environment seems like a lot, lifetime ago. Um, mm-hmm. We had a chance to talk about a book that uh, you recently, at that time recently wrote, called Craig and Fred, and um, give us a thumbnail of what Craig and Fred was about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it, uh, I guess it's kind of the story of, uh, to boil it down into super simplistic uh, uh, terms, it's the story of how and where I got my first dog. Um, uh, It's, uh, you know, it's a really unlikely kind of circumstances that led me to, to connecting with uh, a stray dog in, in Afghanistan, uh, and not just in Afghanistan, but in um, one of the most contested and, and violent areas of, of the country. Uh, back in 2010, it was an area called Sang in, in Helmand Province, uh, and I was an intelligence collector assigned to support reconnaissance Marines uh, on the front line of, of a really, um, a really, really volatile fight in Sangin. And uh, you know, I was expecting a lot of things during that mission. Um, and, uh, one of them was not to encounter a really just overwhelmingly funny and compassionate and stubbornly positive dog 
um, that seemingly was just kind of waiting for us. Um, and so it's this kind of the story about how we all, myself and my fellow Marines, all fell in love with him um, and how he fought and patrolled kind of alongside of us for over 30 days. And, and then how I, uh, I snuck him out of the battlefield and then eventually out of the country to my family back home in the, in the Washington, D.C. area. Um, and then it's really just also the story of, of after, of after Afghanistan and, and how Fred and how so many dogs often do, um, you know, rescue me right back. And, and that's really part of the story, and, it's, and that's why um, in 2018 I told our veteran radio listeners that Craig and Fred was, quote, one of the best reads of the year, close quote. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it captured so much. It, it captured this, uh, you know, sort of funny story about, uh, as you say, a stubborn dog in Afghanistan who wouldn't go away, and but was yeah. smart enough to be with the Marines and not, you know, not draw any attention to them when they were out on patrol. Um, mm-hmm. The the story of you smuggling it out of Afghanistan. Uh, against all the you know orders and uh, and general requirements is pretty funny how that all happens uh, you know yeah so you know it was a great read but it also more importantly talked about your road trip and the value of a dog and sort of the road trip across the country to deal with the issues of uh, TBI and PTSD and and just readjusting to civilian life. And, and I found that part of the book um, re- really um, insightful. And I actually gave the book to a lot of moms whose sons mm. were coming back and they were having, yeah. they were having a t- tough time relating to him because they couldn't relate to where he was or what he was doing. And why do you, why do you get a German shepherd and why do you buy a motorcycle? Mm. And, what the yeah, heck, what the hell right. is he doing? And I think your book really helped people understand sort of that coming home aspect of it. I don't know if you wrote it for that person purpose, but it had that purpose. Yeah, you, you're that's that's beautiful, and I'm I'm so glad that you you shared that with with um, with families, and and uh, thank you for that. And um, what you just described is is something that I saw. Um, since the publication of Craig and Fred again and again is, is people taking, uh, taking lessons and taking things from that story and from that book that they needed. Um, and it's certainly not something that I had any intention of, of putting in there was any kind of guide for a family member or a mother or a veteran or, or, or somebody, you know, um, to, to use as an example or as a, uh, a way to relate to, to some, to somebody's, um, transition or somebody's struggles. It's just what happens when we share our stories. Um, we, we see each other in, you know, we, we relate to each other through our stories. And that was my, that was my only goal with Craig and Fred was to get that story out there because it was burning inside me and I wanted to share it as authentically and as often as possible. Um, and what's happened since has been incredible because for some it is about, you know, the transition process and about coming home and, and all of that. But to others, it's about trust or, or love or both, you know, or, or, you know, sticking to your, 
to your guts, you know, and, and, and pursuing something, you know, and it's about so many different things. And I've heard, I've heard it all, um, you know, in, in our travels and in our speaking engagements all over the country since. Um, and it's just motivated me to, to really continue to, to write and to, to share. Well, you know, that, that's a good transition because I was going to ask you, like, how does a jarhead think he's got a second book in him? <laughs> hey, you just got to sharpen the crayons, man. <laughs> exactly. Don't eat them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to get to Second Chances, which talks about your work and Fred's uh, work, if you will, at, at a, a prison in Maine. But I wanted to set this up for folks who, you know, maybe haven't thought about it. Um, the, the U.S. Department of Justice has a report out that uh, indicates about 8% of all inmates in state and federal prison and local jails are veterans. Now, that's, that's far in excess of how many, you know, the percentage of people who, who serve in the military. So mm-hmm. you have to kind of ask yourself a little bit about um, why we have so many veterans in prisons and jails. And, and we'll come back to that at the end, maybe a little bit to talk philosophy if we have a chance. But that's kind of sure. the setup, if you will, because you got asked, uh, you live in Maine, and you got asked to come to the Maine State Prison to talk. Tell, tell us a little bit about how that happened. Yeah, yeah. So it was, again, it was um, just kind of a natural opportunity that, that came through the promotion of, of Craig and Fred and uh, of just, you know, um, doing what I love to do, which is telling, telling the story of Fred. And, and uh, I did a, a radio show in, here in Maine and, and the host said, Hey, you know, you should uh, really think about going up and, and seeing some of the, the things that are going on up at Maine state prison. The warden is a, is an Iraq war veteran. He's this incredible guy, you know, and I'll, I'll connect you with him. And so she, she, she connected me with, with uh, his name is Randy Liberty and he was the warden at the time. And, uh, one of the greatest names I've ever heard in my life, Randy Liberty. And, uh, and I think within a week or two, I was, I found myself driving up with Fred through the prison to, to, uh, to talk to the staff a little bit. Um, and then to go in, into an area that he had designated a whole cell block, uh, they call them pods, uh, but he had designated a whole pod just for veterans, just for, for inmates who, who had served in the military. Um, and he specifically wanted me to go and, and speak to the, to the men of the veterans pod. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, I went up with Fred and, and something, even before I went behind the wall and behind the wire, um, to meet the men, something really about the culture, um, at, at, at Maine state prison really struck me. And I, I realized very quickly that I was, it was no accident that Fred and I were there and that there was something there for me to really explore. Um, I didn't know what it was, at the time, but after that first visit, uh, I just continuously just tried to find reasons and, and just just to, to spend time up there. Um, and so I ended up creating a, a writing program, um, a weekly writing program, to just to, to kind of get myself up up there and get in the door and, and spend more time with the men um, uh, of Maine State Prison. What did you find? Um, Craig, about it that kept pulling you back uh, into that environment to, to uh, meet with these guys. Yeah, I think it it was it, it was a lot of things. I think mostly it's, 
it, it really says a lot about the, the culture that uh, a good, good leadership can create. Um, and, and Randy is a, is a really great example of that, of, of having the right attitude and having the right people around him. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, it can be a real kind of trickle down effect when you have somebody that in charge that, um, really cares and really engages and really takes the time, um, you know, with his staff and with the, the men, the, the inmates, um, you know, it, it really, I think just seeing that and seeing that he, he loved what he did and does was, was a beautiful thing to see. And I, I think I'm always drawn to people and, and that are really doing something that they love or that they really feel a calling for. And, and Randy um, and the rest of his staff um, are really an example of that. And so I think that initially it, it was what kind of drew me in because it, it felt similar to being in a unit in the, in the military to like to thinking back to my deployments to Afghanistan. Like I'm still so connected to the men that I served with over there because we all shared this this mission and this place and 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 it felt kind of that similar kind of feeling um that i just wanted to be near um so that's that that was part of it for sure and it sounds like you quickly realized that there was an opportunity to have an impact on people's lives yeah i i wanted that i yeah that's that's something i think i um i've i've been looking for ever since leaving the military um, is, is just being able to make an impact. And I think that's something that a lot of veterans um, try to find upon leaving as well. It's just a, an opportunity in a way to make an impact um, either on other people's lives or, or upon an industry or, or something uh, to that regard, something that um, really has a, has a legacy to it. And yeah, I think that that's definitely part of it. And, um, and I felt a, a connection to the men. I felt a connection to the, to the, the inmates, you know, and, and just through how honest they were with me and how, um, how connected, you know, I felt I was to them just through, through the, through that honesty. Well, let, let me ask you, you, you set up a writing program and, and, uh, we've certainly in the past talked to folks who have found that writing programs are very beneficial for veterans folks who may, may have mental health issues, who need to get things off their chest, just sort of a way to express themselves safely. What, what, what were you trying to accomplish in the writing program? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, um, it was, I, I, had, I had seen what writing had, had and has done for me through, through the writing process of, of my first book of, of Craig and Fred. I was able to really see um, the, the trajectory of my life and the, the things that, and be, be essentially be grateful for the good and the bad, uh, almost equally, you know, and like, and just little, little things and big things like that, that didn't go right. The jobs I didn't get, um, the, the, the deployments I didn't get, you know, all kind of led me to, um, that specific time and place in Afghanistan with the, with the recon Marines and, and, and then eventually to Fred, you know, and so it was, it, I was really able to kind of appreciate everything about my life that had led me to that point to, to meeting this dog. And, and I wouldn't have been able to do that if it hadn't been for the writing process. 
And so I hope that I could kind of give the, the men uh, of Maine State Prison something similar through writing. Um, and, and, you know, just an, an opportunity to kind of review uh, and reflect on the trajectory that their lives had taken and, and, and hopefully, you know, um, come away with, with some gratitude and with some understanding. And as that process evolved in the writing uh, workshop uh, continued for some time, did, did you see that kind of impact or, or that impact on some of the guys? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think um, almost instantly, some of them, you know, took a little more time than others to, to, to kind of warm up, but, but most of them jumped right in and were, were not shying, never shied away from, you know, the, really exploring themselves and, and their experiences um, uh, through writing. And it, it really inspired the ones that maybe were a little bit hesitant, um, you know, to, to, to kind of jump in a little bit more and, and really dig deep. And, and it was, it, you know, it was really informal. I, I didn't want it for a second to feel like I was worried about punctuation or grammar or, or anything like that. It was really, um, you know, some, some of the guys wrote songs, some of them wrote poems, some of them, you know, wrote, tr- you know, more traditionally just kind of a, a story with the beginning, middle and end. And, um, and then some of them would share orally, you know, just, just a story about, you know, that, that, that they had like thought about for the week, uh, leading up to it. And, um, so it was, it was really, um, beautiful to see. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about with second chances is I share a lot of their writing, um, in, in the book. So it, it's, it's, um, you know, it's going to, it gets to, you know, get out there and people can read it for themselves and almost feel like they're in that room with me and Fred, uh, with these men. Well, in the in the book is uh, Second Chances, a Marine, His Dog, and Finding Redemption. And I, and I want to bring in another program that uh, Maine State uh, Prison um, stood up, and, and that's the Service Dog Program. Can you tell us something about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, of course. That, that was that was another thing that, that really kind of, that really kind of drew me in was the fact that they had these dogs up there that from American vet dogs, which uh, is an incredible nonprofit. And they, they train uh, some of the, the best service dogs that you can, that you can ask for um, just very, very professionally run. And the dogs come out, you know, capable of, of absolutely incredible things, you know, for everything from, you know, waking up, waking up from a nightmare to, you know, bringing someone a pill bottle, you know, gently and, and placing it in a specific place, you know, based on the needs of that person. I mean, it's an incredible thing to see. And, and I didn't really appreciate the amount of patience, um, compassion, dedication, and, and just drive that it takes to train a dog like that, to do those things. And, and then to see, firsthand men convicted of, you know, some, in some cases, some pretty horrible crimes demonstrating all of those things for the benefit of someone that they will probably never meet, um, was a, a, an amazing thing. And, 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 uh, American vet dogs was really, really great to allow me to kind of be a fly on the wall throughout the training process of a couple of dogs that, that I follow, um, throughout the book. Um, and so, yeah, that's another, another thing that the reader gets to kind of, to kind of see is, is that process just in general. And, 
and and the, that the men of Maine State Prison are capable of of being a huge part of that process. As I said at the beginning, there's a you know according to the Department of Justice, there's about 180 200,000 veterans who are incarcerated. And most of us never get a chance to meet them or th- even, for that matter, think about them and how they got to where they're at. And, and I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious, as you had this opportunity, first just to, just to talk to staff, but then it evolved into this really working with the men, both in writing shops and watching the service dog things. How did, how did your view evolve of, of those who were incarcerated? Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it, it evolved immensely, and it really has. Um, I mean, because especially considering who my kind of view of things uh, in my early twenties, when I first joined the Marines at nineteen, um, my first four years were spent working as a as a brig guard, uh, as a, as a, a military a military prison guard. Oh, and, I didn't know. I didn't know that from talking to you before. Yeah, right. I write about that a lot and I write about that in, in the book. And, and so that's something that the, that the reader will really see is, is my evolution on this, on this issue throughout my life. Um, because that, you know, Lance Corporal Grossi, uh, thought that, that those people behind bars got exactly what they deserved and that, you know, they were supposed to think about what they did every day and that they were, you know, supposed to be reminded every day of, of the fact that they fell short and that they were, you know, criminals, you know, and, and that's, that's how I started my journey, um, with this and at, at, at an early, you know, relatively early age. And, um, you know, and I think that that's a view that a lot of people are very comfortable with because it allows us to kind of dismiss people who are in our criminal justice system. But, uh, I've seen firsthand and I've evolved since since having that kind of, that kind of, you know, very rigid crime and punishment view that, uh, uh, it's really not doing anybody any favors, uh, not the, not the people behind bars and not the rest of us out in the world. Um, because essentially we're turning our backs on, on people who are, are just a, a zip code, uh, and a couple paychecks away from, from us. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's time that we really evaluate, um, you know, just as a country and as a culture, how we treat people who, who have spent time in, in, in jails and prisons. And we're talking to Craig Grossi, Marine and author. I'm sure in high school, they never thought they'd put those two words together behind your name. <laughs> no way. No way. <laughs> but, 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 um, that's really the point of your, if you will, of, of the title of the book, the message in the book, if you will, is second chances. Tell, mm-hmm. tell us the message that you're communicating there and, and um, uh, you know, give us some insights. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's, it's really, uh, you know, the, the title is, um, is purposeful because it, it's something that I've, I've personally kind of seen through evaluating my own life just per, like just mentally and also through the writing process is how many second chances I've had, uh, you know, and how much luck has been involved in that. Um, because, and the, the, many of those second chances have, have come as a result of things that were not in my control. Things like my, the zip code I was born into the family, 
you know, that I was born into and, and the, the, the school system that I grew up in and the, the color of my skin to be completely transparent, you know, and, and that, that there's nothing saying that I, I don't deserve the, the things that have come to me through hard work and, and, and things like that. But, but it doesn't make the, it, it doesn't make, it doesn't take away from those things to, to recognize the, the privilege and, and the, the luck involved in the second chance that I've, that I've received. And that, that's something that I, I really kind of explore uh, with the reader and with the men um, of Maine State Prison. And, and it's my hope that we can all kind of do that together, um, you know, and really think back on our lives and the second chances that, that we've had um, and, and that we'll, we can kind of come together and really see uh, that will be kind of the, the part of uh, um, where we can start to look differently at the people who have, who haven't been as lucky as us and who have, have spent time in, in prison and jail as a result. Yeah, I think I think this is a great book, a good read that allows you to stop a little bit and and pause in your own life and reflect a little bit about your second chances and maybe you need to be a little more forgiving and give other people second chances because they were so important to you. I, I think that's part of the message that I got uh, out and hopefully that was part of the message you were trying to give. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely was. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that that, that, that came that came through. Thank you. Before we run out of time, because at this point, uh, folks who have n- are not familiar with Fred are thinking, I got to go read Craig and Fred, and then I got to read Second yeah. Chan- Chances, and they're they're dying to know how Fred's doing, and uh, and and uh, I'm sure they're also wondering, this must be a purebred uh, dog. So so tell <laughs> us tell us a little bit about Fred. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean there's. There's so much to tell, um, but he, first of all, he's doing great. He is presently uh, in in the office with me uh, on a comfy leather sofa, snoring happily. In the, there's the sun coming through our windows, and he's taking his uh, afternoon nap after we just went for a little walk around our house and, uh, up here in Maine. And, uh, you know, just health-wise, he couldn't be healthier. He's still uh, a handful. He's <laughs> still a very stubborn um, little guy. And, you know, he wants to, to be outside all the day, all day. And, and he, if he doesn't get his, his walks and his hikes and his adventures and, um, you know, throughout the day, then he, he lets me know at, at night, you know, that he's, uh, he's still got plenty of energy left in the tank. Uh, so he's doing, he's doing great. Um, and yeah, and if, if you get a good look at him, uh, you can tell that he is uh, certainly, you know, a unique dog, uh, but his gene pool is, is, uh, very deep. <laughs> He's got a very deep gene pool, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and as a result of, uh, you know, just, uh, the, the lifestyle that his ancestors had led. Um, and so, yeah, he's, you know, he's got, uh, these little, these little legs that, uh, you know, he makes the absolute most out of, um, but he's got a, a big chest, you know, like a, almost like a, like a shepherd, or like a like almost like a German Shepherd kind of chest, and uh, you know the, the the long kind of hound body, um, and uh, he's got a, a set of lungs on him. That's for sure. He's 
he can, he can get real loud. Uh, if he was as big as he is loud, he, you know, he'd be the size of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it's good to hear that Fred's doing so well and that, and that you're doing so well, uh, Craig. If folks want to track what you're doing and, and uh, keep an eye on uh, that and find uh, where to buy these books, give them a couple of websites to look at. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, our Fred's website is fredtheafghan.com, and We've got lots of pictures and videos um, of our travels, and you know, and we actually have Fred merchandise, hats and T-shirts, and dog collars and leashes and harnesses that we sell, and we donate a, pro- a portion of proceeds to check to a different charity every month from the sale of that. Um, and then on, on social media, it's all Fred the Afghan uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and and uh, he's got a, a real enthusiastic following uh, of people all over the world that that love Fred and they love to to see what he's up to. So yeah, that's we're, we're easy to find. And, and the book second chances is now uh, available for purchase and I'm sure that's you right. can find it online at all, all of your favorite online purchasers. And, and if you can go into an independent bookstore, I'm sure they can get it for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it should, it's available just about anywhere you can get a book. It, it'll be there. Well, we want to thank uh, you, Craig Grossi, for taking a little time today uh, to talk to Veterans Radio, bring us up to speed, and give us something new to think about, uh, and that is second chances, uh, in particular for those veterans who and others who have found themselves incarcerated. Absolutely, oh, it was a it was a privilege to to be back with you, Jim. I, I thank you very much for the for the opportunity. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Veterans Radio today. I am Jim Fawson. It's been a pleasure to be your host. I'm a veterans disability lawyer at Legal Help for Veterans, and you can reach us at 800-693-4800 or legalhelpforveterans.com on the web. You can follow Veterans Radio on Facebook and listen to its podcasts and Internet radio shows by going to veteransradio.net. And until next time, you are dismissed. If you have a VA claim denied by the Board of Veterans' Appeals, contact Legal Help for Veterans at 1-800-693-4800. They're experts in handling cases before the U.S. Court of Appeals for Veterans' Claims. Their number again, 1-800-693-4800. We again want to thank our national sponsors, the National Veterans Business Development Council, NVBDC.org, the U.S. Small Business Administration Veterans Business Outreach Center, Eisenhower Center, VA Ann Arbor Health Care System, the Vietnam Veterans of America, Charles S. Kettles Chapter, Ann Arbor, Michigan, VFW Graf O'Hara Post 423 in Ann Arbor, and the American Legion Press Corn Post 46, also in Ann Arbor. They keep us on the air, as does your support. Go to Facebook. Go to veteransradio.net and support our efforts. And until next time, you are dismissed.